Hello and welcome to this next episode of the Lost Baggage Podcast. I am your host, Brian Whitmer, joined by my good friend, Kevin Bloss, all the way out in Salt Lake City, Utah. Kevin, how are you today? I am doing excellent. Brian, how are you doing? It's, uh, you know, just another day. Uh, I just kind of wanted to have you on this podcast and uh, talk. You and I have a interesting history going back to um, what I would call my non lacrosse days my you know my you know the the pure post collegiate uh self wild child period. yeah wild child like you know i've got a couple bucks in my pocket i got you know doing odd jobs um just kind of i would call it say it like that that 23 year old freedom that you know yeah. that i don't think we've ever had before in our, in well, our, and we've yeah. known each other since we were 18 years old so it's been a you know, it's been a long ride and a lot of ups and downs and changes along the road. And one of those changes is kind of what I wanted to bring up to you early on here and say congratulations to you and uh, Chuck wife there. Wow, I, going I know, right for the throat. Yeah, absolutely. And that's <laughs> uh, that's where I wanted to ambush you here because I think early on in this uh, podcasting experience for you, we got to get to know you a little bit too. So I think we should open with the story here a couple days after your engagement announcement with uh how you and check wife met how we met yeah because um, as i remember that was sort of a unique story and in your near 23 24 25 year old wild child saying yes to a lot of opportunities and going with the flow uh i don't know if you can see it. i mean we're on a video call here i am unbuttoning my shirt here you you, you got me i'm uh i'm sweating a little bit <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've told this story once, twice, a hundred times, but I've never uh, recorded it anywhere. Um, yeah. Sure. Uh, so yeah, I am happily engaged. I'm, I say happily engaged as in we do not even know what year we will be getting married in, but um, sure. Uh, we'll go back to the start. Uh, 2017, I was in Prague for the Menchner Cup, which is a box lacrosse tournament. Um and the very next weekend was the Ken Galluccio Cup, which is the European lacrosse, uh, you know, more or less the Champions Cup. Uh, the winner of the Norwegian League plays against the winner of the, UK, you know, the, the South of England League, plays against the Czech champion, uh, it's field lacrosse. And I wanted to go to it just to check it out. Um, and I asked the, the head of the, you know, the LCC club here, I'm like, hey, are you, you guys going? They're like, oh, our girls team's going. Um, there, our girls team's going up to the Ken Gluccio. They're the champions of the Czechs Women's League, and uh, our boys lost. Uh, the, the LCC club isn't, or wasn't, the champions that year field league. And so I said, okay, you know, like, you, do you have spot uh, for me in the van? Like, you know, can I catch a ride? And he said, yeah, sure. You know, show up at 8 a.m. or whatever it was on like a, a Thursday or Friday morning. I said, okay. Uh, so I showed up, and uh, this girl comes over to me, goes, hi, I'm Jane. Um, you know, nice to meet you. And I speak English better than the rest of my team. So they said that I have to sit next to you in the van. <laughs> uh, and, you know, spoiler alert, this turns out to be my fiance slash uh, affectionately known as Czech wife. Yeah. Um, so I sat next to her for the 10 hour ride to Ghent, Belgium. Uh, we talked the whole way. It was, you know, just, just fun. And then when we got to uh, sorry, in Bruges. Uh, we can make some in Bruges references. Illusion. Yeah. Hilarious Colin Farrell movie. Um, her team I wanted. I forced to Nicole to watch that the other day. It's fantastic. The 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 elephants. They're a bunch of bunch of hippos. Bunch of elephants. <laughs> you're not going <laughs> I, up there, are you? Whenever I see an American, I just say, "Oh, you're a bunch. You're a bunch of elephants." <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, so her team decided to eat dinner at Pizza Hut in this most beautiful city of Bruges. And I said, absolutely not. So I said, you know, Hey, you know, would you like to go to dinner with me instead? So we had dinner in Bruges, like, you know, walked around the city, like this beautiful, beautiful, like non whatever. Uh, it's, it's like a, it's like it's a, a real European city. Like it's, uh, it's still old. It's still like old. all the canals are lit. It's just beautiful. There's castles, there's castles everywhere. I don't even know how many castles you can have in a certain, in like one city, but they're apparently like, it's this many. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like, you know, we, she, she played the whole weekend. I just kind of walked around and like watched games and stuff. And 
uh, I was supposed to fly out of Amsterdam. So I was going to stay in Belgium or, you know, head over to the Netherlands or whatever, like just have a, you know, a weekend and then fly out. But this girl was kind of cool. So I decided to get back in the van and go back 10 hours to Prague. Uh, you know, and I canceled my flights, pushed it for another two weeks and just kind of hung out with her. Um, and on the way back to Prague, I said, Hey, I'm going to this wedding in New Jersey. Uh, it was Megan Barr's wedding. Uh, remember them from mm. Brock? Remember her from Brock? Yeah. Um, it was her wedding down in New Jersey. And I said, Hey, uh, look, you know, like I'd like to see you again. Uh, do you want to go to a wedding in New Jersey? Uh, I'll fly you out if you'd be my wedding date. And, you know, she said, no, uh, <laughs> she, she, didn't, she didn't want me to, you know, pay for a flight or whatever, but, uh, I was well, the pretty, first time you go to America, maybe New Jersey, isn't the most attractive. It was a nice destination, part Jersey, but I, uh, I convinced her it's all she, relative. She, she did say yes, uh, to that trip. And I picked her up in the old, uh, you know, I've still got that blue van that, uh, you that do? Oh yeah. The 2001 Dodge Ram, not allowed near schools van. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I picked her up and we, we drove around like the nice part of New Jersey, like the wooded, like, uh, I, I think it's called like Sparta, New Jersey It's beautiful. We drove down to like Jersey shore, drove down through like, uh, I don't know. We were, we were all over there. Asbury yeah. park. We were down there. Like we, we were spent some time in, uh, New York city, saw Crescenzo. Um, it was a, it was a good trip and that was, uh, and the rest was history. So, yeah. Well, hey, that's a good story to start a long story there. Yeah. So, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, now, tell me your story. How did you get involved in lacrosse and all that? <laughs> this is about you. I guess it's about us now. Here we go. So, I uh, grew up in upstate New York, much like yourself, uh, a couple hours further east outside of Albany uh, in a town called Clifton Park. But my father grew up in Syracuse and, and grew up playing lacrosse so as having kids in the albany area there was fiddlesticks and lacrosse balls kind of kicking around the house always so i i actually don't like recall the first time i touched a lacrosse stick or played in the backyard or, or anything like that um i do remember in probably second or third grade i remember my first lacrosse camp um Coach Fink and Coach Weiss run this like Capital District little lacrosse camp thing in the park right next to my house. Um, all rental equipment, two sizes too big, bucket helmet with strings in the back. And uh, as a you know third grader, I was more than overwhelmed and just kind of freaked out. So it wasn't it wasn't the best experience, but I still remember like I remember being taught a face dodge at that camp as a as a third grader i remember in a scrimmage there was one coach that you know the ball is being cleared over his head by 40 feet in the air and the coach throws the ball his stick up in the air almost catches the ball in the air but knocks it down comes right to his feet and picks up the ground ball and runs and goes and scores a goal and i'm like oh my god these guys are amazing they can just throw their stick in the air 40 feet and hit the ball looking back as a coach now i'm sure he was just as amazed that he got that ball as i was um, I've still never, I've still never been able to do that. Tried a hundred times, still. The day, the day contact. is coming though. Yeah, but so that was in my first two or three days. I saw that happen and was just kind of amazed. But so there was fun stories from that experience, but I didn't stick to it out of that. So um, when I actually got into playing sport instead of just you know hanging out in the backyard with my sister and my dad having a catch, um, was in seventh grade. Uh, I'll credit uh, my best friend at the time, Mike Astorino, who had his locker right next to mine. We get talking about, you know, he's playing lacrosse and I'm like, oh, yeah, I play lacrosse in the backyard. And he kind of like, you know, drops his hands and looks at me and says, you, you, you play lacrosse, but you don't play lacrosse. What's going on with that? Um, and it kind of just clicked on me there that I guess, yeah, that's a good point. I should go play on the team. Let's go, let's go do this, but didn't really have a clue of what was going on. So seventh grade, I play, I'm, I'm absolutely terrible and, uh, just had a blast still, still remember scoring my first goal 
on the last day in the last game of the season, you know, just kind of a desperation shot because I knew time was running out on my chances. Um, and miraculously one went in and I was just hooked. Um, eighth grade really figured it out. And then kind of high school, I, I accelerated my skill a little bit, started playing up on a JV and then up on the varsity and started for three years. And, and you got was, to be like six foot five, six foot three, whatever you yeah, are. Yeah. By like, eighth grade I was over you know six foot and six four and that kind that of settled into that yeah that advantage there was a couple will come advantages in there. there yeah, yeah. yeah. now I didn't necessarily fill out so I had to use those advantages in the right spots because they became disadvantages in other parts of the field but uh I I got it done I, I tended to be more of the IQ player on the field and and understanding that I might just need to be the elbow guy in this play and and moving my feet and calling for the pass like I'm the one more getting the ball out of the Dodger stick because I know where it needs to go on the backside. So instead of you know constantly needing to dodge through and deal with double teams, I was I was happy being you played the, the game. Guy. I was happy being the guy that that picked off ball so that my teammate could could run over around or or seal in the screen so that the good Dodger had that extra second to turn the corner and finish. So. There was a lot of parts of my game and things that I saw in the field that would never show up in a stat book, but it was early on in understanding all that that I I liked seeing the game from above and the X's and O's, and I had an I had an idea pretty early on that I wanted to to coach lacrosse at some point in my life, uh, so it was it was nice that it kind of came full circle in that. Yeah, and and you know to your credit, like I, I do remember like freshman year tryouts like. You're, you're good you were good you are good at lacrosse like you know talented player like you went to a pretty i would say top high school you know shen i can't i never still it's shen how do you say that? yeah shenandoah mixed up with shenandoah there's an extra en in there and that's right and it's spelled a little different so shenandoah is in pennsylvania right uh it's a it's a national park that runs through like the virginia like blue mountain highway ridge no um, pennsylvania right uh, there's probably a shenandoah in I think a there's few a shenandoah places universe like a college in yeah, pennsylvania shenandoah was a top top it's team a, i don't know I about mean, now so, like, so you guys are up there right you know you know new york you know it really depends on what section you're in Section two, I wouldn't say, is one of the strongest sections, at least when we were playing uh, in in New York. It's really about, you know, central or down by the city or Long Island that those real, real strong teams are coming out. Um, but we were we were a pretty good team. We would win section, you know, pretty consistently. I think our, you know, personally, and I think a lot of my teammates would probably agree that our our class probably underperformed a little bit. We didn't win a section championship. Um, but it was like it, you guys in Niskayuna, right? Like that's the, yeah, the, we, we were pretty much the two top yeah. rivals. Saratoga would, we would, you know, be a good rival in there every once in a while. I think Shaker was pretty good, um, gotcha. back when we were playing. So there was a couple even teams, but in section two, it was kind of bouncing back between Niskayuna and Shenandoah. And we were in a run when I was playing that Niskayuna was, uh, pumping out some pretty good teams. Yeah. So so you were good, and then we'll fast forward to Brockport. And spoiler, uh, you didn't play at yeah. all. So yes. this is a lacrosse podcast, I guess. You know, it's the tag is lacrosse, but you didn't play college lacrosse, which I think is you know one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you. Is like it's the it's it's definitely a road less traveled, specifically yeah. in America. Like there's not too many guys coaching doing lacrosse things like living a lacrosse life who didn't and or don't play college lacrosse yeah actually actually get the college experience yeah um so i went to brockport um recruited by coach weinberg to play lacrosse um i showed up intending to play lacrosse i played fall ball um I thought I did pretty well. I'm glad that your memory serves the same. Um, I appreciate that. I was horrible. <laughs> I thought I was cut, honestly. I, st- I, re- I, I do remember, remember that. I think I remember you scoring a goal in that first alumni game. I was like, hey, Brian. I think I scored uh-huh. like one of the first goals in the alumni yeah, game. And like, right. I felt better about it. 
But yeah. actually, um, do you remember? Do you remember that was Weinberg? Uh, Coach Weinberg was having a, uh, his first son, uh, Michael, born like that, like pretty soon after the alumni game, or yeah. like his, you know, and we had to run for whatever, you know. I'm sure there was a multitude of reasons. We had to sprint before that alumni game, yeah. and he had his phone in his hand, like he had like one of those, you know, army phones or whatever. And we were on the line and his phone rings and he goes, this better be my wife. <laughs> and he looks at the phone and he goes, it's not. And he just, it's like one of the, you know, Motorola, like, you know, heavy duty phones. He just hauls it down the, the field, like, you know, as yeah. hard as he can. Well, and so we're all cool. just like looking at each other. I'm, I'm 18 years old. I'm like, where am I? <laughs> yeah. Out in this field that, you know, you got to walk to, you can't see anything from it, just surrounded by trees. Like, yeah, it's a, uh, you're out on an island out there, and it was it was nice for those moments where like, um, um. So, anyways, yeah, I didn't I didn't play, so I showed up and and getting into like stories about even being on the line that fall, uh, about to run sprints. You know, I, I was showing up to practice, wanting to play well, wanting to play hard, and like proving more to myself that like I could hang there, and I wasn't. I wasn't mentally leaning out because I was like not confident in my skills or where I was. It was because I, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't wanting to be there. Like there was, there was something going on mentally that I had to figure out later. Um, but you know, I, I worked hard. I played hard. I remember being on, on the line sprinting and kind of being like when the attackmen are running, I'm looking to my left and my right to see if I'm beating people. Like I was running sprints, not as a guy that was about to quit, but like, I'm trying to still see where I'm, I'm going to stack up. Um, but it, it really came down to, I had a couple coaches that like, I just didn't get on the same page with in my last couple of years of playing high school. Um, and I got into like a burnt out kind of beat down mental place and then that paired with just a new experience. I was just mentally burned out. I didn't want to play lacrosse. I wasn't enjoying it. Um, and I knew if I wasn't enjoying it, this part of my life that was, you know, so big and so important to me for so long that something was kind of wrong and I, and I needed to step away for a little bit. So straight from the last practice, I went and sat down with coach Weinberg, had that conversation and it really boiled down to him being open to me saying, I need to take some time off. I want to, you know, just focus on school for a little bit and figure out that balance and possibly come back in a few months, maybe miss the spring and come back next year and just kind of restart the, the process a year later and see, you know, if I can still fit in what's going on. Um, and in that year is when I hurt my back for the first time um, or or maybe had an old injury from high school that was lingering that finally that L, uh, L5-S1 disc blew out on the right side. Um, you're, you're an L5-S1 guy too? Yeah, man. We can tell those stories. I, I didn't know you. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, we're not going to go down that rabbit we'll hole, but I didn't, that, know, but, I didn't know you were an that, L5-S1 guy. Yeah, I didn't so, know that. So there was, a, there was a time sophomore year when I was trying to get to actually start working out because uh, – Jesse had moved in with me, another Shen kid. Jesse Elliott moved in with me and was uh, on the lacrosse team. He had just transferred from Lemoyne, I think. Uh, and he was saying, he's like, hey, uh, he talked to coach and he's like, hey, reach out to Boss. If he's not doing anything, tell him to come try out, whatever. Um, and it was like a month after I had tweaked my back and something was going on. And I started trying to work out and get moving. Um, and I just realized I was like, something's, you know, I can barely move right now. There's no way I'm trying out. And then the next year I got surgery, um, you know, tried a million different ways to fix it. Nothing was, was making that sciatica and that, that chronic pain go away. So, um, had a, had a surgery that, you know, in hindsight probably could have tried more things to try to, you know, avoid, but well, who cares now at this point? And then just couldn't get it healthy and strong enough. Tried again as a junior to, to, you know, make the push to want to be healthy enough for fall ball and try to play again and just never got it healthy enough and strong enough to be able to, to get out there. And um, so 
I kind of ended up in this weird mental place where lacrosse was a huge, huge part of my life. I got recruited to go play D3 ball. Um, I get there and I'm not enjoying it. I want to take some time off. And now all of a sudden that time off resulted in an injury that ended my whole career before I really had a chance to like play. Um, and that, that ended up in a weird, you know, really shaped what I wanted to do when I became a coach out in Utah. Maybe we can fast forward to Utah there. Um, but having those relationships that maybe got me mentally fatigued totally shaped the type of coach that I wanted to be once I started coaching. We, we'll, we'll move on to Utah, but I, I kind of want to there's, – there's more there. Like you were burned out, and I think that's what's going to start happening to a lot of these kids who play – Something little, like too much club ball or they have coaches they don't you know mesh with like and I mean I'm I was burned out my burnout came like after college like four years I was I hated it you know yeah. after after four years I was ready to just throw it all away um right. but the the moral of the story is uh is coming back you know like coming back to the game even if it's not on the field you know, coming back to the game, even if it's not, you know, if it, through back pain and back surgery, um, coming back to coaching, you know, like I, I'm, I'm, I would say I'm very far along on my road to recovery. Uh, I, I elected not to go with surgery. Um, yeah, but you. I do, I do think my road is now longer. Um, certainly it's a, it's a different way to get to a very similar spot. Um, but it's, it's this, it's this, uh, not parasite. Parasite's a bad word. It's this, uh, it's this seed. Seed is a good word. It's the mm-hmm. seed that like, it, it winds up in a bunch of us. Like the game, you can't get away from the game forever. You don't want to get away from the game forever. Like it, you have to keep coming back. Um, and I try to, you know, kids quit here the same way they quit in the U S and I, I try to tell them like, Hey, look, like, when you decide that you want to come back, whether that's as a player or as a coach, like, or you just want to like, you know, be around it, like, you know, keep coming back. It's, it's not a, it's not like, you know, I say football, like, you know, like American football, like, uh, when you're done with that, you're probably pretty done with that. Like as far as a player and for most part as a coach, um, you can certainly watch it. Uh, but lacrosse and you know sports like you know hockey and basketball i feel like there's a there's a good opportunity to you know kind of keep reinventing yourself you know as an official as a coach um there's certainly you know masters lacrosse which is a different you know product than uh you know high level elite you know competitive lacrosse but um yeah like that that's it's that's why i like about you know your story and that's why we're talking is you came back, you know, like you were always, people thought you were on the lacrosse team when we were at parties at college because you were always just around us. You know, you lasted longer hanging out with the lacrosse guys than, you know, a lot of the lacrosse guys who like, you know, flunked out after, you know, one semester or two years, guys who transferred right. in and out, you know, right. um, you know, for all intents and purposes, you were on the lacrosse team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, honorary draft member, honorary, honorary draft member. Yeah. 40, 43rd guy or whatever it was. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I was always living, there was always at least one lacrosse player living in the house that I was living at or the apartment that I was living at between oh, I've, soft, I've, sophomore, junior and senior year. I remember like there was like the strict, no, no guys who are on the lacrosse team at the parties and you're still there. Like I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pick him out. Yeah. Well, I, I got it. other places I can go. I would just go over to Sarah's or Monique's or, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, over to Chappie's or whatever. Yeah, I talked to him. He's he's moving back to Rochester. Chapman. I have flashbacks to Erie Street and oh, all those those fire trap apartments. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Quite quite literally, one was a fire trap. But yeah, know. well, I was thinking um, about your uh, your uh, you know the later in the college experience when we were out to you know semi annual uh, beer pong tournaments, and I was like, well, I mean everything was above the table there you know where everything's legal and i was like well maybe the maybe the fire codes were broken fire codes were broken <laughs> there was yeah i mean that was those were like that was thinking back on that how like 
you know, now insignificant, those that that was the Super Bowl. <laughs> I, I remember looking forward to those like way more than I probably ever should have. I haven't thrown a ping pong ball at a beer cup. In, <laughs> I know, right? Arguably years, but uh, yeah, that, but that was that was the Super Bowl back then. But uh, I, I guess I want to fast forward to uh, the most miserable days of my life uh, when I was washing dishes in oswego new york at the yeah. press box yeah um uh, my, my buddy shane was, was dating his girlfriend now fiance michelle and he's like hey i can get you this job you know washing dishes um and i was like you know you sure great like i just came back from utah or uh, from colorado with my my tail between my legs like you know no car no job uh no apartment and uh I so i was watching you were in denver for a little bit I was in Denver. I, we were going to meet up or whatever, Ryan Brown's place or something. And just never, you know, never material. I wasn't there that long. Like, you know, I was there to work. I worked and then things fell apart quick. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm washing dishes, miserable, wet, covered in food that people have <laughs> chewed on. And, and I've, I've washed dishes in multiple countries and multiple states by this point in time in my life. I'm I'm 30, right? Everybody's done this. But uh, you call up and you're like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, you know, let me call you back in five minutes. I'm washing dishes. <laughs> and, this is uh, not – this isn't exactly how I remember this story going. All right. Let me – let me you you tell me how the story went. I, all I'm, right. So, I'm fuzzy. I mean, I had been working on you a, a, a few – for maybe a, a couple weeks or a few weeks, maybe even while you were in Denver, like trying to get another Brockport person out here in uh, in Utah with me. And so maybe you were going to say you were very that, subtle well, then, you, you know, were very subtle I was, with your you know, intent. I was, yeah, I was getting, you know, maybe I called you and you would let me know, Hey, I'll call you back. I'm in the dish pit and, and yada, yada. Um, but how I remember the moment and the decision moment coming, cause I was laughing. Um, I'm sitting down having dinner, phone rings, it's you, I pick it up. And the moment I answer the phone, I don't even say hello. You're already speaking a, a mile a minute um, and just rambling and ranting. And I, I can't quite make out what you're saying to the point where I'm thinking maybe this is a pocket dial. I don't know what's going on. He's sure speaking fast. So I'm, Brian, Brian, are you there? What's good? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I, I hear you. Are you actually there? I'm moving to Utah. I can't take this disc job anymore. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll see you in two weeks, tops. That, that right. I do remember. Uh, if you're familiar with French onion soup, uh, <laughs> yeah, French onion onions. soup cakes onto those 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 pots that French onion soup come. French onion dip. That's what it is. Uh, and you, I remember like scrubbing this pot. I'm like, I am the only person with a college degree in this building. <laughs> I am going to jump. I'm going to go find a taller building to jump off of. Like, get me out of here now. Like, I spent a I, lot of years uh, as like summer jobs in a dish pit, but it, I never had a college degree while I was doing it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I got, I took five years to get a recreation and leisure degree, right? Moved out to Colorado for a lacrosse job. I thought I was had it made and, you know, life laughs at me, kicks me, uh, I'll say right in the teeth. But uh, sends me back to the dish pit in Oswego, New York, and just every plate, every dish, like it was a very short fuse. And then, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, but when you had called, I had no idea what was in Utah. I didn't know there were mountains. I didn't know anything about Utah other than like two Facebook photos of yours. Like, and I was like, oh, that's that's what Utah is. Like Mormons and uh, wherever Bloss is. I don't know where he's. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> Have you ever told anybody you were a rec and leisure major, and they'd be surprised? Or is it usually like, eh, that makes sense. The, the, the normal response is, what is that? Yeah, what is that? Yeah, if you can, <laughs> if you can get past the what is that, it's just like, well, yeah. But well, I tell people, even if you yeah. assume you don't know what it is and you made it up, it's like, yeah, I see. I can see that. It's, the physical, it's a physical education degree without yeah. the education. Like, it's without, like, without wanting to teach it in schools. Like, that's what it is, you know. Yeah. I mean – but how, how many, what are you doing with your, uh, anatomy, I don't know, physiology degree? What are yeah, you so doing? I, for, right? yeah, I, uh, exercise physiology and kinesiology. I mean, it's just, so yeah, I mean, I'm not a personal trainer or took it to go to, you know, a doctorate of physical therapy or anything like that, but it's, it's like, 
the reason I ended up switching from a PE degree to an exercise physiology degree was the mandatory intro to X phys class for the physical or for the PE degree. So yeah. I took that class and was fascinated by just understanding the basics of like what was actually going on inside the human body and the science of it that I immediately switched my major. Um, and it's just all relevant information. It's nothing that's not ever going on inside your body or that's useful if you, you know, choose to go on a weight gain or a weight loss journey or have an injury that maybe you can, through process of elimination, try to understand what's going on with that injury and thus understand maybe how to fix it without needing to go, you know, through all the doctors and extra bills and physical therapy and because it's all pretty cut dry when you understand how the muscles and the joints and the body works. These are very normal reasons to pursue a degree in, you know, kinesiology. And my, I mean, you're not doing kinesiology and I'm not doing, well, I guess I am. Well, doing I would argue, I would argue I am when I coach every single time when I'm breaking down a movement for a kid or trying to look at a movement to figure out where it's going wrong. I'm looking joint by joint by joint and seeing like the angles and the differences and where he's developing the momentum and the torque and you know is his wrist too cocked back like is his arm too far extended back where it should be more in front of his chest you know is it so the kinesiology part um did you ever have a class at dr williams i don't think so the like no. biomechanics guy no i was in a different building <laughs> just broke all the movements down to stick figures and now when i'm looking at a kid it just all turns into stick figures and you're just looking at joints and angles and the physics of what your body is doing so, so i do kinesiology every single time i'm on the field i just have I do, to put it in terms for these kids if i'm doing recreation and you're doing kinesiology we might be the only two guys out of brockport who i know and maybe nate nate thomas is a physical education teacher went for physical education there's not many guys who like follow like use their degrees like i, I know you know one guy's selling cars one guy's you know working at a you know equipment rental place like I guess we are using our degrees. You found something we're, you were interested in. I found I, the easiest possible major. Yeah, I think we're uh, both being creative on claiming how we're using our degrees. Yeah, well, I mean, I paid for it, so like I can say whatever I want about it. Roger <laughs> <laughs> that. Yeah. Utah, the yep. job. Like, jobs. All the jobs. We, what, all right, I'll, I'll say a job we did, you say a job we did. Uh, in the first 24 hours, I remember scraping glue off a cement floor. Yeah. Um, do we need to elaborate on that at all? That's the first place I took you. Nope. That was uh, like 24, that was less than 24 hours after I landed. That was the overnight job too, right? Yeah. That was terrible. Yeah. Backcountry.com warehouse. Backcountry.com warehouse. Or offices. Um, that was a good one. Nightmares. Um, Bellman Valet. Well, we're going to get back into that one. That was, that was like the main job. Uh, All right. Olympic uh, Park. Olympic Park uh, operators of adventure activities. <laughs> Zip lines and uh, ropes courses. That was uh, a I, Christmas lights. Christmas lights. Yeah. Christmas. <laughs> That's the next one I was going to say. <laughs> I bailed on that one pretty quick. I... I put my time in the Christmas light game for a little while. Yeah. Uh, I drove a taxi for a short period of time. Yeah. Um, let's see. I, at times, this isn't one we did, but I poured wine at art galleries. Like this one, Jared McMillan, great guy, great photographer. When he would have parties or like events within his uh, photography gallery, I stood in the corner and poured wine which in turn got me other jobs in talking to people, which was nice. It wasn't paid, but I do remember cutting down wood, like firewood for Eddie and his wife and almost killing his wife within 15 he minutes. Threw an ax at his wife. I didn't throw an ax. I swung an ax at a tree, missed the tree. The ax <laughs> flew out of my hands and almost maimed his very recent wife. This is really, really going to make you laugh, and we'll leave all names out of this and everything, but uh, um, 
if if you do hear this and we're laughing at you, no no hard feelings. But they're no longer married. She's uh, he moved back to England, has remarried. I think they live in Ireland now. He just had his first kid, um, but uh, she ended up in woodworking. Right, is do, is is doing a lot of carpentry, and has since lost two digits. Oh, that's real. That's darkly funny. That's really funny. <laughs> just trying to come in full circle there. On I could have the, helped uh, her out much earlier than that. Yeah, I uh, where she had to go. Also had a chainsaw, and that was the first tree we came to. So yeah, maybe yeah, we yeah. start. We had a chainsaw. Those were good time. times. Though. We had a chainsaw I, I, the whole time, but the axe was the most dangerous part. Yeah. Um, gosh, that the, getting getting wood for Eddie's cabin and cutting all that down and bringing it back and, and processing it. The, those were those were good fun. <laughs> That was fun. And the rest of the, like, you know, we, the times that what they are right now, like I can just remember how simple everything yeah. was. And that yeah. was, that was something I've never, I don't know if I've ever had since, like yeah. since, being, so, since leaving Utah, life right. was really simple. Yeah. So I, I had one coming out of that wine pouring job, uh, corner bartender at the art gallery. I get talking to this lady and uh, I remember her drink. So automatically she wants me to be a server at her in-home fine dining catering like business. Like she's an in-home chef. She'll go places and do private events. For, so I pick up that job. First job uh, day on the job, we have to meet at the montage. You know, go in the back elevator. Ritzy because, Hotel. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm the scum that's got to go in the back door. Um, the bringing help. Up all, yeah, the help. Bringing up all the food. Um, so we go all the way to the top floor of the montage, right? I'm like, this is obviously, there's like a key card to get in there. And somebody that brings me up in the elevator. Then you get your key for the door. I go in, amazing interior, like looks like a log cabin and the inside of this massive suite on the top floor of this Ritzy Hotel. So I'm starting to help carry stuff in, being told what to do. I'm walking around. I'm starting to notice like Maryland football memorabilia all over the wall. And then I, I look over here and there's there's like a small Under Armour thing. And I look over here and there's a giant Under Armour. And I'm like, all right, he went to Maryland. And, and I asked the bartender who's setting up all her drinks. I go, is like, what's this? Like the owner of Under Armour or something on this place? And she like puts down a bottle and looks at me and goes, this is the CEO of Under Armour's place. Get back to work. <laughs> oh. And oh. it was like a global summit of like the top two or three people of all the countries where Under Armour operates. These people are in the middle of dinner doing like fingertip hold, you know, hang for two minute competitions next to each other for like $2,000. <laughs> like just like pass it. And I'm just, you know, sitting there making a hundred bucks that night. Like, What is going on here? And this was a oh. normal... Like I mean, jobs like that, not that, but jobs like that would come around like yeah. weekly. Right. I remember like, just, just like, hey, this guy moved out of his unit and he needs you to sneak into the building without being uh, noticed, empty his locker and ship all the stuff back to him. Uh, so I actually had to sneak into a hotel, empty this guy's locker and ship everything to a place in New York because like he owed some building like some amount of money, I, like just strange jobs. Like, yeah. I I loved it. I personally loved it. Um, let's talk. Let's talk Bellman. Uh, that, that was that was my favorite job I've ever had. That's how I got into coaching lacrosse. The That's... first the first winter I was in Park City, um, you know, taking people's keys and at like we were at a hotel. We'll explain to some people where there's it's like a quarter share hotel, so not a full on, you know, timeshare or anything like that. There are two or three or four people or even times just one that owns all four shares of a unit. Um, and these are frequent within the building. So there's this one lady that's in and out and the local lady, and I'm just holding her keys as she parks on the driveway all the time. And I get noticing that her car has a Park City lacrosse sticker on the back. And immediately coming from upstate New York, not knowing a lot about Utah in general before I moved out here, kind of like yourself, I'm like, what is even in Utah? Turns out there's a, a lot of awesome stuff. Don't tell too many people. Don't tell your friends. Yeah. Utah sucks. Tell your friends. Uh, <laughs> but so uh, this lady comes back out and I'm like, they have lacrosse in Utah. And she goes, and she steps back and she goes, where are you from? Upstate New York. Do you want to coach? 
Like immediately, it's like they're looking for anybody that knows the game from the East, East Coast. And the first question is, do you have hours to coach? Get on the field with our kids. Um, and that first winter, I think well, I was like, you know, I was new. Yeah, you weren't there yet. I think I was. I didn't know if it was a six month or a six year experiment yet. Um, so I didn't know if I could commit to anything through the spring or I'd be bailing or I just wanted to travel because I was going to only spend a year here. So coming out of the winter, I want to take mud season, and go down to the desert. So I didn't commit that year, but I kept the contact. And then was next that me? year, uh, no, that was Holly Bauer, Dylan Bauer's mom. Okay. Um, Dylan Bauer, who I think is going to be going to Johns Hopkins this year. I, he is committed to Johns Hopkins. I think it's a verbal, but I, I, I do believe he's committed to Johns Hopkins, yeah. Well, it's also 2020, so he should be in his fall semester. I have, that's, yeah. a, that's a different he's word. A, I don't know that He's a freshman word. this year. So, anyways, anyways. Anyways. Um, I hope he's doing well. Um, so, I keep the contact. You come out the next year. Now, all of a sudden, I got another lacrosse buddy that, like, you know, I know he played. I haven't been directly involved with the game in three or four years now so i uh touching back on something that i was talking about before like all of a sudden i had this weird mental place with lacrosse was this huge part of my life and then all of a sudden it was gone for three or four years um and then coincidentally it just kind of crept its way back into my life um and you missed it and that's that's healthy you like missing that's part of it you have to miss it yeah so i was super excited to be out there coaching a bunch of kids uh you know with a college buddy that i convinced to move across the country and live in the basement of this house that i was living in um and so we get out there with our group of fifth and sixth grade c team um bunch of great kids on that team a lot of fun new experience really just trying to figure the thing out and about three or four weeks in tops you get an email saying do you want to come to Prague uh with team Germany (laughs) yep and you kind of like stood there gave me a salute and said I'm out of here (laughs) (laughs) uh I was like dude I got 25 little fifth and sixth grade kids over here that are driving me nuts what are you doing to me uh I bailed on you and yes. I, I do and remember so, coming back and those kids were like, you bailed on us. I'm like, <laughs> like a fifth grader. Like, like he said to me, I don't remember what his name was, but like, he's like, he pointed at me and you, he's like, oh yeah, you were here last year. You bailed on us. I was like, yep, <laughs> sorry. I did. Um, right. So the original thought was like, all right, I'm going to, I got an opportunity to go to Prague. I'm like, heck, I can't be too mad at you. I'm going to jet over there for two weeks and then I'll be back. And you like went and then went back to New York and then just were like, maybe I'll be back to Utah in a week or two weeks. And I'm just like, this season's going to end soon. Um, So I was, I'll be honest. I don't know if I ever told you this. I was pretty like pissed off at you for like bailing on me with this like group of middle school and elementary school kids that like all of a sudden I got to turn this. I, I think we maybe won one game that season. Like it wasn't a, uh, but no. it was a great experience. Like I remember. And so after you left, I start leaning into this experience. I'm like, all right, well, it's all on me. I'm not getting another assistant coach like from the program here. There's no coaches in this town. So let's just do the best we can. Right. And let's lean into this experience. And I remember losing a game by two or three goals, but it was like back and forth. And I'm, I got, you know, my, tool is my voice from the sideline and i'm basically just trying to be these kids like biggest cheerleader from the sideline because they just been get beat up all year long and we got one game that's finally close final whistle blows team's going to go get the goalie and as they're like running by me and i'm kind of like taking my deep breath after the last whistle this kid pulls on my shirt tail and he's like coach that was the most fun lacrosse i've ever fun i've ever had playing lacrosse and just runs off to go get his goalie. And I was like, oh, well, these kids can have an absolute blast depending on the experience that you give them. Yeah. Regardless if they're winning or losing, they don't care. They're having a blast out here. And it was sort of like a epiphany moment that like, oh, this is this is really enjoyable. And it's more about wins and losses. And it's it's like you can provide a really good experience for a kid. And that's the part that you're leading into. Um, so that that was like an early 
early, early on trigger moment. Um, but I was still pissed at you for making me do it alone. Uh, we'll have. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna do one of these with Sam Miller, and he'll he'll uh, he'll piggyback on being mad at Brian for leaving when yeah. he wasn't supposed to. Yeah. You know we uh, both love you. No. Yeah, but uh, you know, un- unfortunately, I've had to, and I own that. I've had to bail on friends to uh, chase opportunities, and uh, I do acknowledge that as not. I've, I've forgiven you, and with hindsight, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy you left, and I'm proud of everything you've done since there, and, and I hope you are too, and it's like, it's all good. It doesn't matter. I do think I've never made a wrong decision. I've, I've made mistakes, but, you know. A couple I, wrong turns, but you ended couple, up in a spot. A couple wrong turns, and you wind up at a cool restaurant, you know, like, yeah. uh. It, it 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 works out but um but yeah i that that year i remember you were i you knew i was coming back i had a truck out there like you knew i was gonna come back yeah like, but i uh yeah i got i got that message it was actually um it was in the utah men's lacrosse like uh pickup game facebook yeah. whatever and uh I said, hey, you know, you guys playing anytime soon? Um, you know, this guy wrote me back from this guy named Bill Caden. And uh, he's like, Brian Whitmer, like Dan Whitmer's son. And I'm like, yeah. And like, I recognize mm-hmm. the name. This guy, Bill Caden, who ha- used to live in Utah, was in that Facebook group there. He's like, yeah, I played for dad when you were like 12 years old. And, uh, you know, That's like wild. a week later, his, his post or whatever said, hey, I'm looking for players to play in. Uh, uh, Prague for the Deutschland Adler uh, lacrosse team and the Ali Breskin Memorial. And, you know, it was after like this, this Bellman valet job that ends on a certain date. And it's like, you know, there's no work after X day. Like you are not fired, just not hired. Like <laughs> there's right. no, there's no work over. for you anymore. Thanks yeah. for being here. Yeah. Thanks for showing <laughs> up. The snow's gone and now so are you. Like, yeah. Give me an yeah. email in seven months if you want to come back. Yeah, like it's no hard feelings. There's just no job to be done, and uh, I had more and money at that. Thing sometimes I had never had that much money in my life, and I I, I will say that it was probably less than twenty thousand dollars, and from working, working ridiculously hard for uh, what five months, and I remember like I have twenty thousand dollars like in my bank account. Yeah. I, I I'll, give you, I'll give you credit for like the time that you spent in Park City. You grinded. Like once we kind of got over like the initial hump of like, oh, these are a couple weird jobs. Like you figured out where you could make money, and you worked seventy, eighty hours a week because the goal was and like the 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 parasite, like you were saying in the back of your head, that's probably still not the right word, was always itching at you, going. When's the next place I can get out of the country? Where can I go? When's the next opportunities coming? I got to have money in the bank account when that email comes. And then it ended up coming. Yeah. I think, I think I remember sitting at the umbrella bar and you're like, huh, they might want me to go coach in Italy. I wonder if they'll let me play too. And then email back and yeah, it seems like they're going to let me play. I think I'm yeah, going to Italy. I bailed on you. Yeah, you bailed on me again. I bailed on you again. (laughs) I forgot about that one. Uh, shoot. Um, yeah, I'm noticing a pattern. Uh, All right. Well, don't tell, don't tell check wife. (laughs) Hey, now that that's verified, can we start calling her blue check wife? I don't get it. Blue check wife? Social media anymore. Good for you. Make a blue check verified. Famous people. Uh no. Hopefully, I got a couple chuckle chuckles from other people out there, but I'm glad that no you. One, I hope no one laughed at that. Good. <laughs> I hope no one laughed at that. I really, really hope no one laughed at that. Uh, I don't because I because I don't get it, and I don't. I want other people to not get it. Too. To not get it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, shout out to everybody that got it. Yeah, shout out to that one guy. Uh, and I mean, shout out to that one guy is in like that's how many people have listened to this podcast. So like, yeah, you know, shout exactly. out to that one guy. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, thanks, Dad. <laughs> um, like, all right, we got like, you know, we're trying to keep this under an hour, you know, for people's attention span purposes. You are now the defensive coordinator for Utah Valley. Utah Valley University. Yeah. 
So after a few years of coaching out here, um, a little bit of like getting involved in other clubs around, um, I had a, a group of parents approach me with basically with a roster saying, we want to like have you alone be our club coach. And these are the kids we want you to coach. And we kind of like started this club thing that I'm doing with that uh, group there. But the other coach that the other half of the parent group wanted um, was this guy, Marty Westcott, that's been in Utah coaching lacrosse for 30 years. Like he's, I think he's the only guy that's coached at Utah Valley, Utah and BYU. Um, and he's been at all different levels, you know, won championships at all different levels is, and so we get together, we start this team. We don't know each other at all. You know, he is, you know, uh, you know, I wouldn't, he's in his fifties. I'm in my twenties. When we start, we're two, we come from two different backgrounds. So it was like very curious as to how this experiment was going to work out. Um, and it ended up being we coach exactly the same. We agree on like the way things should be taught and the way the game should be played. We're less concerned about, you know, a, a win if we're playing horrible. Like we the, the, the goal is good lacrosse. Um, you can lose and play great. You can win and play horrible. Um, and that that was sort of like a shared mentality. Um, so us coming from, you know, sort of like a yin and yang start gave us a cool interaction with the kids and a cool balance, but we were on the same page from day one. Um, and that fast forward three years, he took over the head coaching job at Utah Valley Lacrosse. Um, and then another year later had the defensive uh, you know, he's been he's been putting my name out every single time somebody calls and asks, who, hey, who should we have our head coach at our high school? Who's our head coach at our high school? Um, he's been saying that you're I'm the first guy on the list for him for a long time. And all those calls that I got for do you want this job? Do you want this job? Never really seemed like the right fit. Um, but I felt like I needed to go to, you know, a high school program and get that experience. And then just a couple months ago, it the defensive coordinator position opened up at Utah Valley and Marty calls me first again. And now all of a sudden I'm in a different position where I'm like, I feel like now I'm skipping steps to get here. And is it just like a favoritism because you know me for this long? And he, he, you know, backed me up pretty quick or he's like, I wouldn't be offering you something that I don't think you'd be successful at. I think you are the person for the job. Um, and, and you can do it and I hope you, you know, can find the time to do it. So I took a couple of days to think about it. I went to a practice or two to see just the vibe of it. Um, and I've absolutely loved it. You know, it's been different. One of the first apprehensions was being the defensive coordinator as not, me and Marty, not your side of the ball, right. As me and Marty have, have coached together this last three or four years, he's been the D guy and I've been the offensive guy. Um, and I, I, you know, understand both sides of the ball. And that's what one thing that made me a good player back in the day, but it's not my side of the ball. So there was an apprehension there of going up two levels in, in play, you know, jumping all the way to college, having faster athletes, more complicated situations and faster reactions and having to see it all on the other side of the ball. Um, and, and, and no more than the player and like help the players be better. Like not just yeah. understanding it, but like understanding it's, it and being able to act on it. Can't be able to be, you know, can't be getting stumped every other time I get asked a question. Um, and it's been great. So it, it, it re engaged me in like being a student of the game and like studying and watching film and trying to be creative and like new ways of how I want to communicate or break down a certain situation, you know, like what is, what is a two man game? Is it just picking or is it mirrors and shallow cuts and all of that little two man games that aren't creating contact, but creating decision-making opportunities for the defense. And that's, so now all of a sudden I'm looking at all these little things I would do as an offensive guy and trying to break down not only where the defense could get out of position and make a bad decision, but if there's opportunities for us to jump in there, if there's opportunities for us to double, what more 
can we be creative on the defensive side of the ball or is it only just hanging back and you know holding off options for the offense and just making their life hard or can we be proactive about stuff so that's been some things that I've been really excited to lean into uh, and just see the other side of the ball and be creative on that side that sounds like a lot of fun like honestly like like I kind of share my time between a lot of different projects right now and I don't have like so I, I am the the Czech field men's head coach uh, for the national team, but I don't get to see my guys as often as you get to see your guys. Like the national team kind of thing, it's, it's not like weekly, it's not daily, it's not uh, like a program like that. And I am I am jealous of of that uh, that role you've got for yourself. Not not so much on the de- I would have to learn a lot about being a defensive coach, but uh, I do. I am jealous of like that you have to learn that like you you're continuously, you know, growing in that in that yeah. realm. Um, so, I mean, just to recap, like burnout and injury and just deciding not to play college lacrosse, um, going out and finding freedom in Utah, uh, not a lacrosse traditional lacrosse. But I mean, everybody knows that lacrosse in Utah has blown up in the past you know, however many years, but, uh, you're out there, you know, on the front lines. Like, it's not just people sitting back saying, Oh yeah. Hashtag grow the game. Like, look, Utah has lacrosse. Like you're out there noticeably affecting change in a, a, you know, a new lacrosse market. And it's still, I'll still say new lacrosse market, even if it's been around oh, for certainly. Yeah, 15, no, it's 20 still, years. It's yeah, been but around. It's still, yeah. It's years behind places in California and certainly Denver, Colorado. But so. is there anything you want to leave people with just kind of like people who are going to get burned out, people who are going to get injured? Um, I, I think that you're maybe if you had played college lacrosse, you might not want to like how many guys who did pay, play college lacrosse aren't coaching now aren't, oh, you know, right. And that's that's why I've I've sort of reconciled that like weird relationship with lacrosse for those few years and like missing that opportunity because you I mean you got to fall back on the the cliche of everything happens for a reason you know like there's guys that you know I could have been hanging out with on that team that aren't around anymore you know there's there's plenty of different roads I could have gone down if I had made different decisions and ended up in a different place. So I, I love where I'm at. You know, I'm happy. I love the coaching opportunities that I'm getting. Um, being a coach out in like a, you know, a smaller scene, growing it on the front lines of where the game's trying to go is, is a unique experience in itself. Um, so. I think that that is where we can draw one last similarity is you're in Utah and I'm in Czech Republic and not that many years ago people would have said oh there's lacrosse there about both places and right you didn't bring lacrosse to utah and i certainly did not bring lacrosse to the czech republic but we're out here in new markets and in places that have opportunity and potential right Um, and i think i think that the similarity between those two places once you dig into it is and the reason why growth will either like plateau or just be on a really slow gradual increase is that there's less coaches than players that want to play always. So you've, you know, if you're in one of those areas where you think lacrosse is a, a small aspect or it's just starting to creep into the community and you know about the game, try to get involved, try to get out there and do something, whether it's a volunteer or like me and you, we were lucky the first, you know, Park City Lacrosse is in a position to pay their youth coaches. So there was a little bit of incentive to get out there, but leaning into just wanting to grow the game a little bit, wanting to teach somebody in a younger generation and, and inspire something. You know, there was a kid, do you remember uh, tall, goofy kid, Dylan, from our yeah, fifth and yes. sixth grade C team? Okay? Yes, I do. He, he, he leaves an eighth grade year. Um, never makes it past the B team as an eighth grader, right? Not the best athletic kid ever. You know, he thinks, he thinks that he's never going to play lacrosse after youth lacrosse. So he comes up to me and goes, Hey coach, I just wanted to know if I don't make a team next year, can I come back and help you coach the youth kids? 
like immediately this kid wanted to give back and start helping younger kids. He's got, he's got, the I, I had to remind him, dude, you have plenty of years of playing lacrosse left. Like when we're in Utah, nobody's getting cut from the high school program. It's not that big. You're going to make the freshman team, bud. Don't worry. Right. But uh, like, you're going to be able to play through. And I feel really bad for him because he had earned a spot on the varsity team. He would have played on the varsity team as a senior this past year and yeah. got his, his, uh, you know, yeah. and all that. Yeah. Yada, yada. So, but it, it just yeah. shows that like, you know, you never know what kid it's going to be. That was a fifth and sixth grade C team kid that like the seed was planted early. Um, and and, and you wanted seeds. to give back. So like, it, it might have been more dormant in you as an older person, longer away from the game. Like he just got done playing and wanted to turn around and keep, start coaching. I had four years off from playing to starting coaching. You know, it might be 10 for somebody else, but get out there and coach because the limiting factor of all these new territories for lacrosse is how many knowledgeable coaches we have. Um, and that's probably where, like once lacrosse got here to Utah, it sort of plateaued at a point and maybe starting to break through that plateau again is just that we don't have enough people out here really teaching the right stuff um, and possibly at no fault of their own. You know, there's a bunch of dad coaches that grew up playing football that their kid wanted to play lacrosse in the spring and he wants to go be the coach. So good on him for taking a group of kids and wanting to go coach. But he might need an assistant or he might need somebody that he, you know, he could be replaced by somebody in the community that actually played, that knows how to hold a lacrosse stick for one, you know, <laughs> the rules, the, the football yeah. <laughs> coach, I, I give him all the credit in the world. I give that dad all the credit in the world, but there are some really fundamental things in this game that you need to learn early on, or you're going to be in a bad spot as far as your, your skill development going forward long-term. Um, and those skills aren't always available on YouTube. And a lot of it is not intuitive at all. No. Very, very weird uh, coaching cues that every per, every person who's been played since a certain age knows right. those, these cues. So you've taught, you've taught new players of all ages at this point. And I'll bet that you've seen all the same first cues that you have to make. Like this oh, yeah. one, for example. You show the stick, right? But as that ball comes in the stick turns and goes flat and they try to catch it like a basket with the ball going yep. down right? Yep. instead of letting the ball hit the mesh. It does not matter what age you are what from language? five years old to 50, what language you speak or what color you are. You, that's how you catch the ball. The first time a ball is thrown at you, you try to basket it and turn the ball. And then the ball inevitably clicks off the side of the plastic, doesn't go into the mesh, goes right past it, whatever it is. Right. But it's, human like it doesn't matter who nope. you're coaching or what it is it's like natural progression that if you know it and know what to look for you'll know how to break it earlier you know if you're a dad coach that doesn't understand that you have to keep the face of the stick open to the ball so that the ball hits the mesh and then you give soft hands and then gravity takes over the ball is going to sit in the pocket it's yeah. going to be a longer learning curve for a lot of these players. Um, again, giving a lot of credit to anybody that picks up a youth team. But if you're knowledgeable and in one of those areas, I learned the word jump for, on that team. I learned the word for here and egg in every language that I happen to be coaching in. Because I just I grab the head, hold it right next to their ear, and go here. And then I make the ball and I like, Ooh, here it comes. And I put it in the, like with my hand, I put it in their stick. I go egg. Like, yeah. like it is like <laughs> an egg. And I, go, Ooh, yeah, like, it's a, it's, so what, it's certainly difficult in another language. One little funny story from you all shares when you were in Italy, I was checking in on you just, you know, through messenger or whatever. Um, and you were teaching and coaching in Italy, like a men's semi pro something going on right but it was like guys your age right or like men's, in their club, mid yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, men's club whatever's going on um but like a new program and guys really learn in the game a lot of them um and i just go how's italy and you go there's apparently two things that are hard to learn in your mid-20s one of them is italian and the other is lacrosse <sighs> that sounds about right uh <laughs> Last last thing about that was that contact is extremely difficult to teach uh, to someone who's 18 plus who's never been hit and never hit another person. Right. They so, like, slide you, I bet. I'm, yeah, when you're five years old, like, and you get knocked over by another five year old, 
like you understand it and you don't cry, you know, maybe you cry a little bit, but like you're five years old. So like, you know, when you're 10 and 12, 14, 18, you're getting knocked over by a similar age and you've, you've been knocked over before when you're 20 and you've never been knocked over before you Right. Think, that bo- yeah, that yeah. body's moving pretty fast for it yeah. to be the first and, hit you ever take. That five-year-old yeah. getting knocked over didn't really take all that much force. He could barely stand up on his own anyways. Yeah, so I've got guys who are hitting too hard and getting penalties or the wrong way, the, like don't know not to hit from behind. And then i got other guys who refuse to hit. i got other guys who are getting touched and going down like they've been murdered. Uh, but we, we, I actually had some drills that like, you know, we introduced contact and, and that, you know, we made strides to sit, to put it lightly. So do you have any sort of like fundamental coaching philosophy on like how you, whether like, and that's an experience where maybe you had more consistent access with the team. You were living there doing whatever, but now like you're saying, you don't have, you don't have like a lot of, a lot of time with the teams. Like what are you choosing to coach or what are you trying to like get into these guys' heads? I teach com- competition I teach having fun and, you know, creativity with, you know, like it has to be fun and creative. Like there's no, like you must do this. It has to be fun, creative, competitive, and, um, it has to be applicable to a game scenario. Uh, Everything, everything is fun, competitive and applicable to a game scenario. That's just that. That's the end of that. Yeah. I love having drills that are like directly applicable to a game scenario. Yeah. If it's a shooting drill, it should mimic an exact option of our set offense that we're trying to, you know, one of the options that we're trying to create in our balanced motion. Most of my shooting drills are just cut out four players out of the uh, yeah. set offense and just, right. yeah, just do That's it. That's exactly what I'll do. And then you build it to, you know, yeah. I'll start with one in your own dodging options and then you get build one feeder in then you got two guys in three guys in run the motion you got to pick which guy you're feeding whatever it is and you just build it from there and then all of a sudden you got defenders in there one on ball one sliding sounds a lot like lacrosse to me there you You go it ain't rocket science you build it up but um anything you want to leave our listeners of one hour and seven minutes with i think we've got it all out there just just keep staying involved with the game. <laughs> I mean, there's a hundred stories like I could tell and you could tell. I mean, I'm, I probably don't remember half of them and you, you know, you probably don't want to tell the other half of them, but, uh, you know, I miss you. Um, I, I hope to get back out to Utah soon. You, you have to come over here. Hey, the, uh, the tournament out there is still on my bucket list. Hey, so well, I'll, I'll make it. Okay. Nicole, uh, Nicole was wondering if uh, if there was a wedding going on and if if I'm getting an invite and if she if I get a plus one, she it already will, wants it to will come. Will be a home and away. Uh, home game. and away. That's home what and we away. Were I'm, I we're thinking that away. you you must select one. Ah, I see. So no one can come to both weddings aside from like parents. That's fair. I think that's fair and you know creative. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Very fair. It was yeah. a good job. Well, I look forward to uh, seeing the festivities whenever they come. No rush. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I do not know what year that those will be. So, yeah. um, good talking to you, and uh, thank you for listening to this latest edition of the Lost Baggage Podcast with uh, my good friend Kevin. Thanks, Brian. We'll see. Yep, we'll see ya. Yeah.